the Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 168 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for taking some time out of your day to spend with us. We are on Twitter. I'm at Justin Hughes 365. Andrew is at AMCQ82, and our podcast official account is at Baseball365Pod. Andrew and I are back to talk about the second base preview. Uh, On the last episode, we talked about second baseman 1 through 15 in the NFBC ADP. If you haven't listened, go on and download that one and listen to it too. Um, You can stop this one and always come back. But for the rest of you who have already heard that, here you go. Here's the second half where we talk about all the second basemen after after number 15. Enjoy. Well, let's move on to the next guy, and that's Nolan Gorman with a 195 ADP. Uh, we've both talked about loving his price this year. And again, for those just starting to listen, talk, why don't you go? Yeah, so uh, like Gorman a lot. Uh, just a total masher, 97th percentile barrel rate ahead of Matt Olson and Kyle Schwarber. And keep in mind, with all this stuff with Gorman, that you can play him at second base, where so many of these guys that you're that other teams are slotting it at or at middle infield, you know, if you're taking a second base already. But he can lead this position. He's the 16th second baseman off the board. He could lead the position in homers. Do you think that's crazy to say? I mean, no, I think not his at all. Pro- I think his projection is fourth at the position. I want to say. Betts, I'm not looking at it, but I believe it was Betts, Albies, Semyon, and I think he was tied with somebody for, you know, just pure steamer projection for home runs. Uh, now, granted, you know, the, the downside is watch the batting average. It's probably, it's not likely to help. Um, you're not likely to get a bunch of steals, though he did steal seven last year, and he is young. So I always feel like with younger guys, you never know. They could randomly help a little more than you think in stolen bases. But, yeah, I I like him a lot. I haven't gotten him quite as much as I'd hope to yet, but there's still a lot of drafts left. So I, I just think it's it reminds me – I think I mentioned this to you a while back. It reminds me a lot of Muncie last season in terms of having – the ability to hit as many home runs as he could hit from a middle infield slot. And Muncie at last year, I'm pretty sure it was second base, third base was what he had. Um, it's just, it's a differentiator when you're talking about all these soft hitting, like you said, punch and Judy's, whatever you want to call them. It's, it's a big difference. Like I wouldn't be that surprised if Gorman hit 35 home runs, 40 home runs. Like, I think it's, in the range of outcomes, am I predict predicting it? No, but I'll definitely over his projection of whatever it is, 26. He was actually better. I thought this was a little strange, but he was better um, against lefties purely from a WRC plus standpoint than righties, but they he didn't really play much against lefties. So 
that's kind of the downfall. Maybe they're not playing him much against lefties, but his batting average could also tank if they did that too much, more than you would expect, stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I think I think Gorman's just an outlier at this position for what he could provide power power wise. I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised at all if he hit like thirty five bombs. Yeah, part of my notes said he can be a forty home run bat with a two fifty batting average, and that sounds a lot like Pete Alonso. What I like about him, he's made adjustments. He came into the season with a swing change after struggling in his rookie year. Started out really strong in April and May, and then he did go cold. Um, and But Gorman has struggled during different stops on his rise through the minors. He always found a way to adjust and improve, and I think he'll continue to improve. Now, he did start having some back problems last year, and those did bother him a lot in the second half. I've read that he's spent time this offseason on a nutrition program to increase his flexibility, which should help him with his back. And hopefully, like, another reason for that is because he plays second base now. So, yeah, he has second base leading power potential and love the price, too. Um, Moving on, we'll go through 17 through 20. We got Edward Julian at with Minnesota at 216. Got Ryan McMahon, who's second base and third base eligible with Colorado at 226. Brandon Jury's first base, second base at 232. We've already discussed him on the first base episode. And Jonathan India at 232. So what are your thoughts on these three? Like, we don't need to talk about Jury really, but what about the other three? Uh Julian, huge walk rates throughout the minors, um, and even into last season. Doesn't chase uh, I think that there's, I mean, they've got him slotted in at leadoff right now. I think there's a good chance that that could stick. They do, they do show him at DH. So one thing that's a little weird with the Twins, Julian came up as a second baseman. They've got Polanco at at second, short, and third. They've got Polanco, Correa, Royce Lewis, and Julian. Obviously, that's four guys, three slots. They currently have. They show Julian as the DH, uh, which I I don't anticipate uh, one of those four really losing playing time. But just keep in mind that that also is provided that they're at the D, in the DH slot. That's also you know they have Byron Buxton who is probably going to DH quite a bit. So there could be some shuffling around there that's kind of hard to predict and see right at this given moment i don't know exactly how it'll play out but strong barrel rate i mean i like i like julian's skills i mean i think he he could be really good these walk these guys with these big walk rates um they seem to be doing well more than not so yeah i definitely like him but just things to keep in mind with the team context i i think that they may have to get creative in terms of how they're going to get all these guys on the field yeah, um, you're right. And then not only that, they have Brooks Lee. That's, I mean, he's going to be pushing the doorstep to the major leagues this year on top of all those guys. So, yeah, you know, his expecting batting average is, was only 234, I think it was, um, with that 263 batting average to where, yeah, they Steamer projects him as like a 239 hitter this year. Always, you know, had a higher strikeout rate, but, I mean, it was – only 24% in double A and triple A in 2022 and 2023. So he could improve that and that could move up. 
Uh, what about McMahon in India? Uh, McMahon, second base, third base, strikes out a lot, but obviously cores helps. Um, I don't mind. I don't really mind any of these guys at their cost. I think they're going in close to the right spot. Projections don't really love Julian or India. Uh, McMahon a little more so, but uh, with India, I'm curious your thoughts, but I'm wondering if he's traded. Uh, I've thought a lot about that just with how crowded since he is. I know we kind of talked about it last podcast. Seems like a little bit of a crossroads time for him. Like, where does he go? What does the park downgrade mean? Because it's going to be a downgrade Mm -hmm. basically no matter what. Um, He's always been a pretty high walk guy, but does the team he go to allow him to have a premium spot in the lineup? Uh, I mean, there's obviously a lot of unknown there. So, yeah, like I said, the projections don't don't love him, but with India, I kind of – I can kind of see a lot of different outcomes. I, I still think the good outcomes with him are are present, Like, but I don't know if he'll ever get back to that level that we once saw him at after his rookie year, essentially. That's a conservative projection with only 436 plate appearances, which is only f- like he's been in the league for three years, and he's been over that in two of the three, and the other one he was just barely under. So they're they're definitely dinging him in terms of the playing time this year. To, I, and I get that Cincinnati has a very bloated roster, but that's part of why I think he could get traded. But I, th- I think he's going to play. I, I would over like I like him better than the Steamer projections. Um, yeah, I do. I do too. Still hit 17 homers and had stole 14 bases, and those looked pretty legit. I'd probably take him, take him of the three here. But you know, McMahon. McMahon feels like the guy that you get. You know exactly what you're getting when you draft him. Like he's been very consistent at this point. Um, but yeah, I, I like India. I think I would take the chance if he gets moved. Okay, you might you might deal with a downtick in in some of the stats, but I still think he's going to be a good player. Yeah. The other nice thing, I mean, like with McMahon, if you have the half weeks where you can take the guys in and out, I mean. It's pretty clear that his uh, his home park helps a lot. Sure Two, does. Two sixty eight career at home. Two sixteen on the road. Sixty eight home runs at home. Thirty six on the road. Um, so if you can, you know, where you're drafting McMahon, you can probably get away with moving him in and out, moving him around, unless you just have a bunch of injuries. But the dual eligibility, I kind of like. Um. And obviously the ballpark helps. Okay. On to the next group. We got 21 through 25. Uh, Gavin Lux, second base outfield eligible with the Dodgers at 248. Whit Merrifield, second base outfield eligible. He's a free agent right now, so he's not on a team, but he's got a 255 overall ADP. Luis Rangifo, second base, third base, shortstop outfield eligible. I didn't write down his ADP, but it's somewhere between 255 and 269 because the next guy is Brandon Lau at 269 and Jorge Polanco at 269 so okay you've waited even longer or you you got a second base middle infield slot to fill at the end of these active player rounds are you taking any of these guys or do you think you might wait longer yeah usually usually I want to fill my middle infield 
before this, if possible, um, or maybe with a little more exciting option than any I consider any of these guys. Um, you know, with Lux, curious to see how he comes off the injury. You made a good point about the um, second base shortstop outfield should have that triple eligibility. I don't know. It's it's Lux is just one I I always had a hard time projecting knowing what to expect from him. It was like he was an elite prospect, but he's largely disappointed since for multitude of reasons. And I don't know. I, I have no idea what he's going to do. You know, like if he totally was bad and just like the range of outcomes, I don't know. I feel like it's pretty high with him. I don't, if anywhere from not being good at all to being pretty good and, I think those are kind of all in play with Lux. He's a tough one for me to peg. Uh, Wit, man, what a season. Like, <laughs> I would have never, uh, never expected that. Tenth best second baseman. Um, not that he hasn't done that before, but, yeah, to steal 26 bases at age 33, 34, whatever it was, That's that was impressive. Not sure how much I trust it to repeat. Dual eligibility is nice. Um, all these guys, other than, uh, well, I guess, Lau and Polanco. So Lux, Merrifield, Rangifo all have the dual eligibility. But I did grab Rangifo in one, mostly for the super flex eligibility. And then I just kind of know that, you know, in a perfect world, I'm hopefully not having to start him, but, um, not that he's bad. His projections are actually pretty good. But, um, you know, you would hope that maybe you have a guy that get, gets called up or something that – or breaks out that's more intriguing. Uh, for a draft and hold, I don't I don't so much mind Rangifo. What do you think about these few guys? You know, Lux hasn't shown he can be much more than a 10 homer bat yet. And his steals haven't been that high yet. But – and he's coming back from a knee injury, so maybe they won't send him out to run much. But then again, we he hasn't played under the new rules, so maybe he maybe that's the you know maybe he is running again. And you know, if best case scenario everything works out perfect, maybe he's a Bryson Stott has a Bryson Stott type year. But um, you know, the problem is there's no way he's working himself into the top three or four of that lineup. He's probably at the bottom no matter what, which does hurt his counting stats, yes. Um, but if he gets on, he does have some monsters hitting behind him, so he might have a high percentage of times he can score um, from when he gets on, but few are opportunities out of that 8-9 to nine hole. You know, Witt, um, you know, when I looked at what he did, and it was a heck of a year, and I do wonder if that... Uh, big part of that was the rule change i mean he's always been a good base stealer and now he's got an extra advantage so maybe maybe the steals can continue and it made me wonder if wit is a good argument against taking like a stott estrada or any of those guys early because if a team signs him they're probably playing him every day and i i think it's going to happen with somebody and he's a great value 100 or so picks after those other guys if he get like assuming he gets signed and he's playing somewhere i think his adp moves up and then Rangifo, yeah, he finished the year really hot before the injury down the stretch. And the position eligibility it does have some a lot of appeal. I've taken him once, too, already. 
in a non-draft and hold league, I wouldn't be near as interested. But there's something handy about having that player in a draft and hold. He literally can be anywhere but first base or catcher. Um, I personally, under that 22 homer projection, high teens. Yeah, but, I was just about. I was just about to say, have you seen these projections on Rangifo? I don't get it, and it's... I know he was hot down the stretch, and he was playing really well. And we talked about him about like second big big performers. Either I don't remember if we looked at him at like he had a huge August when we were doing that, or it was one of those season long stats don't show how good he's been lately in the second half. But yeah, I'm under in that. Um, and then the good thing, the good thing, real quick with Rangifo, the good thing is with the team he's on, he's probably like you're not going to have to worry that much about his his playing time. Like the, with all the versatility he has. I mean, yes. but yeah, 20, 22 home runs, man, that's it, like, I kind of look at everything in ranges, like what's the ceiling, what's the floor. I don't see really any world that he hits more than 22. Mm-hmm. Not uh, like to me, that's, that's like the ceiling. 15 but, to 18 feels like that number to me. Yeah. And I'm not saying he's a bad player. Like I said, I, I took him in one, but I think you just kind of have to be realistic about it. The the 22 seems a little aggressive. Yep. And I think we know what, who Lau is. Um, a 230 hitter with 30 homers. It's just about health. Played 65 games in 22 and 109 in 23. But if he can stay healthy, he's got value here, I think. And Polanco is similar to Lau. Probably a 30 home run hitter with health. But he's also struggled with that the last two seasons. But I like Polanco. I think... I'd take him over Lau, but I think those are pretty close. Yeah, I like Polanco more than Lau. I know I didn't say too much about them. Um, the thing with Lau is I just, you know, he's not getting at bats against lefties, so he's going to have to mm-hmm. really be strong against righties, which he typically and has. Not that he, not that he can't be, but he's had health issues and. Counting stats. Like, I, I think you're going to just miss games between the platoon and the injury risk and stuff like that. He's he's not really a guy that I'm targeting too much. But if he stays healthy the whole season, hits righties well, he'll probably be he'll probably be OK. I could I could see him being a value here. I'll say this. This is the last tier of where I want to get a second base or a middle infield. I'm not I'm not wanting to. I'm not wanting to go beyond this for a starter as I was looking at the rest of the thing. Do you agree with that? I think you were just saying you already did pretty much before this tier. So I'd assume you. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I I think most drafts and I don't have the shortstops in front of me. We'll get to that next week, but I think most drafts, my middle infielders likely to be a a shortstop, but um, yeah, I don't beyond this. I'm with you. All right, next tier then. All five of these guys, multi-position eligibility. Uh, 26 through 30, Brendan Donovan, second base outfield with St. Louis at 288. Jeff McNeil, second base outfield with the Mets at 297. Young Jordan Westberg, second base, third base with Baltimore at 305. And Ahmed Rosario, who's a free agent, second base shortstop at 326. And Bryce Terang, second base shortstop with Milwaukee at 327. So, yeah, I'll just, um, you know, when I got to Ahmed Rosario on this list, I first thought, why on earth is Ahmed Rosario 29th amongst second basemen? I, 
he wasn't that good last year, and he's not even on a team right now. And then I looked at everyone after him, and I was like, oh, it's because this position gets really ugly right here. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I, I couldn't really, like, I was like, okay. I kind of nodded when everyone went on. So, anyways, let's start with Westberg. The downside to him is he doesn't perform great for the Orioles, who are in their competitive window. They have a lot of depth, and, you know, Westberg ends up spending the year either reserve role or back in AAA. But that said, there's an upside to him, too. And what do you think the upside is with a guy like him? Oh, I would say, like, just in terms of pure numbers, yeah. I would say um, maybe, like, 20 home runs, maybe low 20s. Uh solid batting average and you know you would expect I, I don't think he'll hit too high in the order but the lineup is elite so yeah I think with Westberg it's a little bit of a leap of faith to think that he's gonna be in the lineup all season I don't think that's a lock by any means but if he is I think he's a steal here I just think that it'll be – you're going to have – if he is, first of all, he's he's likely performing on that team with all the options that they have. And with the lineup just being so good, I mean, he's second base, third base. That's a nice flex. And I know all these guys, once we get down to here, it seems like every single one of them is dual eligible. But um, I've got a couple shares of Westberg keeping the expectations in check. I'm not expecting a ton, but one of those where I – I could put him at second, short, or I'm sorry, second, third, corner, middle, utility, um, and a guy that I don't expect to have in all the time, like for the whole season, because I'm sure there will be times where you know he isn't in the lineup and stuff. But for when he is, I think most of the time you're going to want to use him, and I think he can be a handy piece that you can kind of move around. So I like uh, I like Westbrook quite a bit, especially at the cost. Yeah, um, I agree. I, I He's one of those guys I think I'd rather get in the beginning of the reserve rounds or kind of like you were saying there about at the top of the, uh, like when we were just talking about where you want to take, well, like the guys you want to take in rounds 21 through 23 to where maybe you take him, but he's really not in your lineup. He's one of those bench bats that you're, you know, you're taking around 21 to 23 and you're filling a pitcher slot later. I think he f- kind of fits that role. Like, is would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. You're you're rotating a lot of those guys in and out during the season, anyways. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not like we get into the season and we have this lineup and it just stays that way the whole year. You know, you're constantly rotating those back five to ten picks, even. You know, like anything from round fifteen down. I would say. I mean, so many of those guys are just funneling in and out based on matchups, based on health, based on who's banged up, um, all kinds of things. And I think he's somewhere in there. And like I said, handy piece that you can move around and just hope that he isn't hope that he's not terrible. Cause I think if he's, if he's solid, he's probably going to play, but, uh, they've got, they've got guys in the minors still, obviously Jackson holiday, uh, Kobe Mayo, Connor Norby, on top of they got a whole of team of guys down there that could be in the major right. leagues. It's ridiculous. Right. So, 
Yeah, but there's going to probably be one of those guys that really breaks through and is a huge steal because a lot of them just aren't that expensive. Mm-hmm. So um, I even I had I think it was my first draft when I took I took like four of them. Yep. I think I, I think it took Holiday, Westberg, Mayo, and Norby. Yep. You know, just after round fifteen or whatever, and I'm mostly just hoping to get one guy, maybe two at all times. That I mean, whenever. Whenever these guy, these guys like on Baltimore, when they're in the lineup, you're gonna want to use them. I think so. Um, yeah, I think Westberg's in that in that group with those guys. Who else from this group do you want to touch on? Uh, McNeil was the one I was talking about as a pivot to Arias. I mean, I'm not targeting those guys, but if you for whatever reason were really targeting Arias or needed batting average, McNeil's not bad for that. Dual eligible second base outfield. He'll help. Uh, he'll help in batting average and should uh, should play enough, you know, where you can kind of rotate him in and out. Um, you want to touch on Donovan? I don't have a ton on him. Good OBP guy. Cardinals will hit him near the top of the lineup as long as he's healthy because of that OBP. And with health, I think he's a good bet for ninety plus runs atop the Cardinals lineup. But he's not much more than a ten to twelve home run bat. Maybe the same number of steals if you're lucky. So. He's another one of those I'd rather take in the bit like as a bench player who his the things he does well are the things that don't get noticed as much with the batting average and the run scored. Yeah, he's just okay. Um moving on to Med Rosario, he sucks. But um <laughs> he could sign somewhere like the White Sox or Oakland and play every day and have some value as a ten homer, twenty to twenty five steel guy. Like I think that's very possible. But for a guy Yeah, I I actually feel like with Rosario, it it all comes down to where he goes. Yep. Because I could see a path where he goes to the right team where he's going to play. And he puts up like Andres Jimenez numbers or Bryson yeah. Stott numbers. I or mean- you know what I mean? Like. And, and keep in mind, this is all about cost. We're talking pick 320. I don't love him at Rosario. I definitely don't love him until I know where he's at. Like, I want to know what team he's going to. But it wasn't that long ago that people were drafting him way higher than this, mm-hmm. like in that range of guys we're talking. And, I mean, with everyday playing time, like if you just locked me in with everyday playing time, I mean, what what's that much different? between him and those guys that I mentioned, you know, I don't think it's much. Yeah. Agreed. That that's the potential for the upside. The question is, does he get like, does he get signed and made a starter? And that's the part where I'm like, how nervous would I be about taking him here? Given he doesn't have a job and there's no certainty that he will sign somewhere and have a starting role. Like he could end up getting signed somewhere and be a reserve. I think that's also realistic. Or he starts off the year as a starter and sucks. I, I think that actually is likely, but um, he's on a team where they've got other options. So, yeah, that's the thing with him. Um, Terang, you know, sometimes we say someone is a great value version of a player. I'm going to go on and call Bryce Terang Dollar General Nico Horner, and I'm not certain <laughs> he's going to hold down the job all year, but as I was looking at Terang, I'm like... Man, I hope, I hope Nico Horner's family ain't listening to this. <laughs> Uh, I hope Bryce Trangs isn't either now. Um, incredibly weak contact out of him, but you know he can get speed. 
but you know they've got um they they've got the the Brewers I think might sign somebody maybe they're the team with a mid zero because they've got Terang and I think Monasterio is their second base and third base options and they do have Tyler Black that's coming um he'll be I think he'll take one of those roles maybe they'll sign somebody to fill the other but if not they'll have Bryce Terang probably there and you know Punch and Judy maybe an overstatement for how little power he has. Did the uh, did the Brewers get a manager yet? Surely they did. They had to, right? They Why had. Am I missing that coach? I'm looking now. Um, Pat Murphy. Okay, yeah, I think I heard that. He was. I was like drawing a. I was just drawing a blank because I was thinking about the council thing. I don't even and... know who Pat Murphy is. I'm looking right now at him. And I was, uh, I was kind of thinking like, will the new manager play Terang? Maybe you know, Terang's one of those guys that's on that line. Like he's not guaranteed anything. Nope. But I also am not saying that someone new would come in and just throw him to the wolves either. It's not like they have tons of options, and he's young enough that he probably continues to get looks, but. Yeah, I was just thinking about it. That's a team that I think could sign a Whit Merrifield and I think would be a good thing for all parties. <laughs> well, outside of Bryce Terrains. Like what if they yeah. like the Brewers go sign Whit Merrifield, put him in there. They you know, they've got a team that's kind of semi trying to contend. They probably wouldn't have to pay too much to get Whit in or somebody like that. You put him in there and then you've got one spot to start the year until they decide to bring Tyler Black up and run that route. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Moving past. Now we're going to talk about uh, second baseman. These are all the guys going between 355 and 500, um, 31 through 45 on the second baseman. Uh, Jake Cronenworth, first base, second base out, out eligibility. We already talked about him on first base. Michael Massey at 360. Brennan Rogers at 363. Luis Garcia at 377. Zach McKinstry with his second base, third base, shortstop, and outfield eligibility at 406. Um, Frank Schwindel, I'm sorry, David Schneider for the Toronto Blue Jays <laughs> at 412. Liver, li- I don't even, Paguero. Liver Paguero uh, with the. Leo, Leo, yeah, I, said that, I nailed that. Um, with Pittsburgh, second base, shortstop eligibility at 417. Geraldo Geraldo Perdomo, uh, second base shortstop with Arizona at 421. Miguel Vargas at 435. Kevin Biggio with his first second outfield eligible at 466. I know you already mentioned kind of liking his price on the first base episode. G. Juan Bay at um, second base outfield with Pittsburgh at 474. Taylor Walls, who's got second, third out short with at 477. Josh Rojas with Seattle, for second base, third base, 483. Dubon um, at 487, and then Luis Urias uh, with Seattle, 487. So that was a lot. I feel like my I'm tired. I probably didn't need to list all that. Was everything else there. <laughs> I just wore myself out saying that. So, Andrew, we're in the reserve rounds. As we just heard, there are a lot of guys here that have two, three positions of eligibility. Do you like to prioritize some of these names that maybe aren't too sexy but offer the positional eligibility here in the first five, ten rounds of these reserve rounds? Uh, It kind of just – it's all case-dependent. Like, 
each situation, uh, who's available in the draft at other positions. I mean, I'm not, I'm not huge target on ton of these guys. I, I think Luis Garcia is a solid pick, uh, just in terms of like, I just think he'll get playing time on that dumpster fire of a team in Washington. Um, and I, it probably will help batting average, like stabilizer stuff like that. If you, if you need that, and just get rack up at bats. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't think that that's too much to ask. Um, Brendan Rogers, man, like, doesn't it feel like we've been talking about this guy for like twenty years? I, and he's still penciled into the lineup. But the projections actually don't hate him too bad. Considering where he's being drafted, two seventy five batting average. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm not drafting him really. I just have noticed that when looking Rogers, at projections and he stuff. He was once a top ten prospect. I remember my very first dynasty draft in 2016. I spent like nineteen dollars in an, in my for like that was an auction that we had like five hundred dollars to spend. I think I spent like nineteen bucks to get him. He had value at that You're time. Not- you're not you're not supposed to admit that. Yeah, well, it, it was <laughs> as I said, my first year of a dynasty league, so I didn't know yeah. what I was doing at that time. Uh, I still, I still, I still kind of like Miguel Vargas. I think that there's still some hope there. Can't quit um, him yet. Yeah, I mean, there's no there's no bad picks. Anytime we get into these this spot of the draft and I, I'll never go on the rants that I do on the guys at the top. Cause it's all cost related. Yes. You know, it's like, it's like if somebody's going in the top hundred and I feel like they shouldn't be, that's a way bigger deal and a bigger mistake than somebody going here and just not being good. I mean, most of these guys probably won't be good, you know, it's, um, but yeah, I think that, could uncover a few gems. I think Vargas has a chance if um, – I, I I think he's a guy too that could move around. So just because it doesn't look like there's an opening now doesn't necessarily mean that there won't be. Um, I wonder a little bit if he could benefit from a trade, but probably could. But then he's on a worse team. Who knows? But um, yeah, I don't see any of these guys really – breaking out big time other than you know maybe i would say garcia and vargas probably have the best chance but um yeah i don't feel overly strong about you got anything from these guys i know you love dave i know you love davis davis schneider <laughs> uh, let's you know the guy had like a 18 percent bail rate and that's 35 games it was insane i was 17.8 <laughs> also struck out 30 percent of the time but walked a ton i just I don't know what to make of that guy. Like, do you are? Where are you at with him? I haven't really heard you talk about him. Um, I'm kind of in the same boat. I don't know what's making him. (laughs) That's I guess that's why I haven't said a ton about him. When you guys always are cracking jokes on it, just because I think it's I think it's more likely than not that you're right. I don't know if he's quite Schwindel, but no, I'm making jokes like. It's uh, it feels that way though. I get, I get the joke. You know what I mean. So, yeah, it, 
I'm not sure what to make of him, but I lean that you're right. But I also could be wrong. I'll be the first to admit, like, you know, barreling the ball that much. It is a small sample, so we just we'll just see yeah. this year. Um McKinstry, I do enjoy taking him. Like he was better in the beginning than he like he got worse. Like I, I picked him up in a daily league and he was handy to have to move around early in the year, but he he really wasn't that like he's not that good of a player. I'll say that. He's just more handy to have for depth. I mean, all these guys, like, I don't see upside when I look through this list. This is a getting your positions covered. I don't look at anything here. Look at a, this is a guy that's going to, like, become some huge gain, like, huge bargain for you. Yeah, a lot of times when I'm this deep into a draft, I mean, typically it's a draft and hold or whatever. There's, there's a lot of times where I'm just pushing these guys down um, or really being picky with like, okay, I need coverage at this position um, because like, you know, the eligibility that they have more than, you know, how the season is going to play out. Like some of these guys, the ones that break out from this list are likely doing so because somebody in front of them is getting hurt. Yes. Or, you know, and then there's multiple things that are happening to allow that guy more at bats. And obviously with more at bats just comes more opportunity. And then you're, you're getting, uh, your the ability to help a team more, which is unpredictable. The one thing that is predictable with these guys is knowing like, okay, I've got a guy that can cover second and short. And, um, you know, so a lot of times with, with and we're getting like into this this range of the draft i'm looking more at that and less at just like obviously if he can get playing time what could he provide me like what are what's his skill set but you know and obviously how clear is the path most of these guys are blocked in some way not all of them there's a few of the early part you know i'd say about half this list isn't blocked and half is maybe but um yeah, multiple things kind of going into it, but nobody that it's like I've got to have him. Um, I think Garcia and Vargas are the two best players on the list, but it's mostly because out of all these guys, they've kind of had the most pedigree, and you just are still certain that we know what they are as a major leaguer, you know, yep. or still still um, uncertain, I guess that. We completely know what they are as a major leaguer. Yeah, the some guys like that at least have a little upside because we haven't seen it. Yeah. All right, after 500 here, I'm not listing them. Uh, who on this list are draft and hold names you've gra- drafted so far, maybe interested in drafting? Let's see. I've drafted uh, Kike Hernandez, who's second short outfield. I've I drafted... I no, wait, no, I... I've drafted Connor Norby and going down the list. I don't know if I've drafted anybody else here, but again, and kind of like I mentioned, I think on the last episode, when you're getting into these bats and you look at the arms that are available, I'm I'm like always wanting to pick the arms because 
most of these bats I know are either not good or I've got to have a call up. And some of the pitchers are like that too, but some of the pitchers you can also get innings out of. Obviously, you need pitching late in DCs and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm usually uh, in a normal draft. I would say I maybe take one of these guys if I have it my way, you know, but I, I like to make sure I'm covered at all positions. So, kind of depends on what I've done previously and all that. I just finished up my last, like, my auction draft and hold, which going to get Lucas and one other person on. I'm going to try to get, like, record. I might do two recordings next week where we do our position previews and I, I go on and sneak an auction in. I'm going to see if I can pull that off. But um, I took Kike Hernandez in round 46 or 47 in that. And, yeah, I mean, that's about it. I, I, I agree with you about taking stabs at pitchers. And to your point, one of the things is with these guys – you need an injury and some of those pitchers, a lot of those pitchers you're taking might like some of them need an injury or maybe are prospect pitchers that haven't come up yet, but there are more injuries that happen with pitchers. Like you've got five pitching slots and usually somebody's like two or three or four or five or six pitchers are hurt that are opening opportunities for you as compared to with these bats. Uh, you may only have one or two spots that gets them into the lineup and yeah, I don't know. I just, to your point, I agree with that. And there's also relievers that at least are getting you innings that you can throw, that you're likely to be able to throw in at any point too, or could fall into saves. Um, yeah. I mean, like, like, um, Norby, Xavier Edwards, uh, maybe Emmanuel Valdez, uh, Jace Young, Justin Foscue, like those guys are all, obviously none of them have made their debut. So if they get called up, they're guys that'll be bid on, especially teams that need middle infield and all of that. But um, Edwards probably starts in the majors or at least could I think they've got him slated on the bench right now. But uh, yeah, it's, Getting the opportunity is just the biggest thing. And a lot of that is, like I said, it's going to be guys that are injured in front of them at the major league level, which those will always pop up. But knowing who it is is obviously impossible. So I was going to ask you about Norby. Let's, And I was going to say, let's say he's traded tomorrow to a team with an opening in their middle infield. And I just thought of it with what we were talking about. Let's say he's traded in a deal to the Brewers for Corbin Burns. Maybe there's another piece that goes in there. Maybe that's all it takes. Where would Norby do you think he'd be going in drafts tomorrow if if he was to get traded? I would say like round twenty. Yeah. I was thinking like, like twenty two to right twenty four. Right about where Westberg's at. Yeah. Right now. Yeah, that's fair. Something like that. And that's possible. The I mean, the Orioles have so much so much depth in their team and if they're contending they might want to try trading for an arm during the season. I don't think it's going to happen before this year starts, but I think that's very yeah. possible during the yeah, year. Yeah, I thought I thought that last year. <laughs> they went and got they went and got Jack Flaherty. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they did. But, uh, so maybe I'm wrong. Um Xavier Edwards and Vidal Bruhan, both former Rays prospects you um that haven't turned out at least not yet and both now in Miami. Like 
do you hold out any hope for either one of these two for playing time this year? Or just uh, maybe getting there? not a not a ton, but I think that on the Marlins, there's it's more likely good place to be. Uh, just in terms of sheer number of at bats, they don't have that many good offensive players to where I could see I could see them getting at bats. Yeah, either one of them. Uh, final, my final question on this list, you know, Elvis Andrews, Adam Frazier, Colton Wong, all three guys who had significant playing time in the last few years. If you were to pick one to get 400 at bats this year, who would it be? Is, uh, is Andrews a free agent still? I think he or is. Is he? Pretty sure he is. Oh, uh, 400 at bats, man. I would say... I don't think any of them, honestly. <laughs> I guess if I had to pick one, I'd probably take Frazier. That was that's my guy. But I mean, Frazier just got him last year with the Orioles. That's another guy that like, why are the Brewers not signing that guy? Yeah, that's just a upgrade for them. Yeah, he's always been a. I've always thought he was like a decent hitter. Yep. Not anything that, not anything that like blows you away, but. Obviously, the right side of a platoon and all that, and yeah, I, I would probably pick him. But these guys are definitely not guys you're looking too hard at, you know. No, I he just went undrafted in my last draft and hold, and I thought about him around forty nine and fifty. I just had so many second basemen, and I wanted to just get a couple more arms. That's the only reason I didn't. If he had the outfield eligibility too, I would have taken him. But just being second, I think he was just second base only, and that's why I didn't. Yeah. All right. Let's round this up. Let's finish this off. Second base players that you like the most at their price this year. Mookie Betts. <laughs> he's a, he's a good one. He, he, no, any any of the top few. Um, I don't. I don't think I'll get any Albies, but I've always loved them, so I I can't hate it. Uh, McLean, I like Glaber, I like Jelloff, I like uh, Cattell Marte. I'm, I've warmed up to recently. Gorman and I'll say Westberg too. That's pretty much it. There you go. Gorman, Glaber, I think those are mine. Altuve, and I think I've warmed up to Wit a little more too. After just kind of doing a little more digging, and I think I might be willing to take a chance on taking him 100 picks after some of these other second basemen I'm not a fan of. Okay. Yeah, uh, Yeah, I don't hate it. Yeah. So second baseman, you're staying away from at their price. I think we've got a handful of them here too. Uh, Horner, for sure. Um, I, don't, I don't really anticipate getting Kim much more. Uh, I've got a couple shares, and I, I think I'm good with that. But I do like the coverage that he gives you at all the positions, so we'll see. Maybe if he slips a little bit from where he's at. But um, I don't think I'm going to get Stoddard Jimenez, mostly because I like Marte and Jelloff just as much or more, and they're going behind them. So don't see myself getting them. And that's pretty much it, because once, once you get – a little further down 
I mean, if you need the position, you need the position. You got to take somebody. And I'm also like less likely to think a pick after pick 200 is bad or whatever than I am, you know, a pick in the top 100 to 150. So not a huge fan of some of these guys, but like Ju- even like Julian McMahon, Drury, India, I don't, I don't mind any of them. So, and then beyond that, it's hard to hate on them. So. Tom Edmond. I like everything you listed. Like I, I'm with you on. I think those would have been on my list. And I'm adding Tommy Edmond to mine <laughs> because yeah. that's where I usually am with him. Yeah, so. I just see I see pivots from Horner and Stott and Jimenez, specifically those three. Um, and you, and you could even throw Kim in there, but yep, uh, I see pivots from those guys like way down. And that's why I don't. I guess I don't hate on Edmund quite as much because I think he's one of those like that's going later that you could take instead of those guys. So, but you you know you can always push it down even further. Um, yeah, if you tell me Whit Merrifield signs with the Brewers tomorrow, I'm taking Whit straight up over Edmund. I, I I will do it. Man, Gorman just sticks out in this group because yes, of his does. power, like so much more power than all these guys. It's and that's kind of like why, kind of why I like Drury too. I don't think he has as much upside and power, but he's been pretty good for it the last couple of years. So, yeah, yeah, just have to kind of. Obviously, it it depends on what you've drafted. You know, we say this all the time, but kind of keeping in mind, you know, what you need, where you want to target the position, all of that stuff, but. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm not a big fan of taking guys that I truly question their power early in drafts. I just I know how much it can set you back in like home runs and RBI. And keep in mind, every time you hit a home run, it's homer, it's a homer, it's an RBI, mm-hmm. it's a run, and it helps you in batting average. I mean, home runs drive the counting stats. Like, and it guy guys that are just why why would you want to draft a guy that high in the draft no matter who it is there's other positions too that we'll talk about them but that is already like hurting you actively hurting you in the most important category it just doesn't make any sense to me so the further you get down the board the more I'm okay with it cuz i know that obviously in the 200s 250 300 and beyond there's less options. You got to, you know, you can't be quite as. Those aren't as your picky, foundation but, players. Right, right. But I'm not like trying to build f- my foundation on a guy that I think is going to hit eight to 10 home runs. You, you freaking know, or, loved Estuary Ruiz. Was it two years ago? You had Estuary Ruiz winning you a lot of, like, helping you a lot because you got him in like the 25th, 30th round or something, right? Um, I don't or was it him or Mateo? Uh, I was, I had more Mateo in the past than Ruiz, but I was thinking you had had one of those where in a draft and, Oh, I've definitely, I've definitely had them, but I'm not trying to take them at the top of the draft. Exactly. Now I'll admit, I will admit this years back. I was taking Billy Hamilton and this is actually, it was a lesson. Mm -hmm. Like, let's just put it, let's just put it that way. You know, I, I remember when Billy Hamilton, I want to say, 
I took him in like the third round of a draft at one point and mm-hmm. thought I was like, oh, yeah, I'm getting all these steals. And then that was, I think, the year – I mean, he did have a run there, but that was, um, I think, the year where he really fell off. Oh, you got the bad um, version. <laughs> yeah, I think I had a good version of him too before that, but the taking – like actively hurting yourself in power categories early in the draft is just – I'm just done with that. I'm not doing it. And if you – if you want to do it, it's fine. Just know that you have to get lucky with the batting. Like the batting average has to be there and the steals have to be there and the runs scored because that's what you're banking on. Like if if it's a guy that isn't helping you in power. So you got you got to lean on the power early, in my opinion. I, it's fine to have guys that help you in average and steals, but power over everything at, at the beginning of the draft. Yep. Agreed. All right. So. We're moving around this infield. We did catcher, then we did first, then we did second. You know, some people view third base as the next thing because it's like four, like your infield numbers, it's three, four, and then five is over to third base. And then some people look at it as you're moving across the infield, so next should be shortstop. Andrew, you get a pick here. What are we doing next? Second, Third base or shortstop? Um, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I... I always think of it moving around the diamond as shortstops next, but I know that I know third base is five. So yeah, whatever you want to do. Well, then we're doing shortstop because I've always thought of it the same way as you. And my like, yeah. I, I don't care that much, but I in my head I look at it as shortstop as working my way around. So since we both think of it that way, for those of you who feel different, sorry. <laughs> what do you? Uh, oh, one more, one more. I wanted to mention. I I can't. I, meant to mention it when we were going through the later guys Vaughn Grissom mm. should have yes second base eligibility too I heard him mentioned so, and I was thinking I was like ah he'll be shortstop eligible I guess we'll mention him on the short yeah yeah we will we'll actually talk about him maybe mm-hmm. on that but um just to mention that I it looks like they have him slotted for second base yep. so yep which means tr- Trevor's story who I think, no way, no, Trevor Story is shortstop eligible. I was thinking he was second base. So either Man, I tell you, I tell you, if we're doing shortstop next, what a loaded position. Holy yes. smokes. There's a reason why all these multi-position eligibility guys I'm talking about now, because I know when we get to shortstop, it's a loaded position with a lot of guys to talk to, and I just wanted to get the, lo- the multi-position guys out of the way quickly. Torres, we yeah. get to shortstop and third base. We're just we have less guys to touch on. So yeah, there it's there are eight going in the top forty and twelve going in the top hundred. It's wild. There's there's so many. Yeah, even going down even going down into the twenties. There's there's some intriguing ones. So yeah, definitely loaded. And Andrew and I are definitely going to go on a rant about one of the players. I'm not even going to say his name yet. I know just by me saying that, you know who I mean. There will be a rant on (laughs) next week's episode. I might let let you do it next week. No, no, no. (laughs) I I mean, I've already heard your rant, and I think it's so much better than the way I could have. So either way, if you want to know who that player is, I mean, if you're in – one of our leagues, you've already heard us talk about this, but for the, for the rest of you, you can find out who that is next week. Until then, take care, everybody. Yep, take care, guys.
Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. 